It's Wednesday the 6th of January. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee who's doing some early preparation for dinner and I'm intrigued to see what you're putting out there tonight. What's going on? I am, mate. School holidays and the wife's working from home. So I'm uh, I'm cooking some herb and parmesan crusted um, chicken schnitzels tonight, mate, with some mushy peas and some lemon. So the oh. kids love it. So I might wash that down with a nice, nice little glass of Chardonnay, I reckon. Oh, yeah, and like a little Piero, mate. If you could cry back yep. some of that and send it over, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> All right, we've got stacks to talk about. We'll rip into the cricket shortly. We'll also talk to John Stephenson. He's got quite a bit to say about this criticism of Serena Williams. Carlos Brathwaite, of course, the big West Indian. He's an extraordinary ordinary cricketer. He's been around for quite some time and he plays with the Sixers. We'll chat to Carlos as well. Great to have your company. All right, Shane, well, Scott Morrison, he's given the green light to the test match from a federal level. Um, look, it's, it's a green light which should come because I think all the due diligence being done, the numbers aren't high, we've proven that we can have crowds in the past, so why shouldn't the Sydney test go on as normal as possible? I know we're down to 25%. We are, mate. 11,000 people will be in the ground, including corporate boxes. But, uh, yeah, our Prime Minister, he loves his cricket, mate, old Scott. So um, I'm sure he'll be out there um, supporting the Aussies to hopefully go up 2-1. Really interesting story, this Richmond story with Damien Hardwick and, of course, separated from his wife. I don't think anyone uh, takes any joy out of the breakup of a family. But the the... What they're focusing on here is is the, the relationship is with a staffer. Now, this could have an impact on the team. Nick Del Santo, former player, has come out today and said that, look, there could be the ripple-down effect. What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, mate, I said, let, leave the guy alone. You know, he's broken up from his wife, which, which would be hard enough. Um, and he's found love. Like, good on him. Um, look, the, the Tigers, are, they're creating a dynasty there. And hopefully it doesn't have a ripple effect because um, he's a great coach. And um, I've met the guy in person. He's, he's a good person too. So, look, um, he has my full support. And um, I hope they can get on with it and get on with the season because uh, Richmond are a really good football club. That's one of the things. Relationships do break up, don't they, sometimes? They do, mate. And, and it's hard. And um, you're seeing what's going through with Mitchell Pearce at the moment too with the, the texting scandal up there in Newcastle. That's a little bit more ugly. But... Um, um, yeah, I think uh, in terms of Richmond, I said, uh, let's leave uh, old Damien alone, I reckon. Now, the Women's Cricket League uh, postponed. It's, it's like so many sports getting affected by things at the moment. Yeah, it is tough, mate, isn't it? I know the girls were keen to get out there and perform, and you know, particularly when you've done a long, hard off-season as well, um, you want to get there and play and, and, and show what you've been putting into practice. So, um, yeah, it'd be, be frustrating for the girls, but uh, unfortunately COVID's getting a lot of big scalps these days and, and women's cricket's the next one on, on its notice. Yeah, it's a bit like you want to go to sleep until it's all over, but you can't. you just got to march mm. on through. Look, get your crystal ball out, mate. Uh, the test match starts tomorrow. Who's going to win, Australia or India? It's one all. Oh, I hate to say, but the Indians go into this test match favourite only because we still don't know who's going to be opening the batting. Um, I know Dave Warner will be opening the batting. Um, I know Spartans sent him over some new pink bats to in support of breast cancer today, so he'll have his new beautiful pink bats out there. But um, the, the mail now that I'm getting out of the camp is that Bukowski may open with him um, and Head could be the guy that goes. I know Warney's calling for his scalp and so is Andrew Simons. Um, so, yeah, I think it's pretty much due to the way that Head has got out in the last few test matches. So... You could see a young um, guy making his debut in Pekoski, but uh, as, as Ian Chappell said, they will bounce the bejesus out of him. 
Yeah, and like you said uh, yesterday, you have very close ties with Gladys Berejiklian's office and the word coming out of there, filtering out of there at the moment is that this Gabba test may well go ahead. Look, there's plenty of things we could talk about. We've got a couple of guests just around the corner. Johnny Stephenson up next on Afternoon Sport. Afternoon Sports. Main man, John Stephenson, is on the line. How are you, Steph? Timmy, Shane, how you guys going? How you going, buddy? Now, listen, um, the Melbourne Grand Prix, what's happening there, mate? Is it going to go ahead? Can you believe it? Like, it's just it's just gone from bad to worse for Melbournians when you look yeah. at it from a sports standpoint. I mean, Shane, check this out, right? You don't go to Melbourne for its weather, and you certainly don't go to mm. Melbourne for its beaches. You go to Melbourne because it has this unbelievable social culture. It has some of the best entertainment in the world, um, especially with Harry Potter being one of the main buildings down there in Melbourne. Mm. And you go there for its sporting events. Think Spring Racing Carnival, straight into Australian Open, straight into the Formula One, straight into the AFL season. It's, it's just if you live in Melbourne, which I've just I've lived there for five years. I've just got back to Sydney. Um, that's what you hang for. These events keep you up because, you, like I said, you don't have the weather. You don't have, have, have the beaches. So it, it's very much the social culture and the fabric of, of Melbourne. So to hear this um, with the F1, it, it doesn't surprise me. I think F1 understand it, it, it takes a lot for these teams. It costs a hell of a lot of money to mm. move a, a Grand Prix or bring a Grand Prix to the countries around the world um, with these new, this latest restrictions that um, the Victorian government have put into play. It obviously limits, uh, I guess, what capacity the Formula One feel they can actually generate, let alone a good product, this money to generate, actually make it feasible for the teams to be out here. So um, it's not completely off yet. But it's definitely not looking good. Yeah, and it's it's a risky one, isn't it? It's a really risky one uh, with the way they handle it, Melbourne, because they don't want uh, them just to decide, okay, well, you're too hard basket, we won't come back. Well, that's that's the sentiments at the moment, Tim. I mean, that that's what the FIA are, are, are expressing that it, that it's that they just feel like it is all too hard. Like you know, they. I mean, don't forget the, the, this all broke out for F1 in Melbourne. You know, if you, if you remember, we had practice one and then next minute, you know, there was a big press conference with them declaring that the Formula One was over and that sort of set the precedent for them to go into a mad scrambling and create whatever, like create a bubble and create that the Formula One season, which we had seen Lewis Hamilton capped off another world championship. So, um, look, I think if as a, as a racing fan, all we want to see is just a calendar which we can say is 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 to accustomed to what we're normally seeing um, with the with the racing season. Last year was a bit hard because you're having races, two races on the same track, and even though Lewis did win, it, having the different racetracks suit different cars uh, um, in, in different countries. You know, it, it suits different teams, and and that's what makes the Formula One interesting. So. Um, yeah, I'm just hoping they can figure out a solution because it would be great to see the Formula One back in Melbourne. We're going to see, you know, the Australian Open tennis do their very best. I think they're operating at 25% capacity. We all know if you've been to the AO, um, it, it's not just the tennis matches you watch. It's just the whole energy around the, the precinct, um, the vibe. And, and you know, it, it's something which which you can actually go to the tennis without even watching a game and enjoy the tennis, you know. So um, we just hope that they can get something like that up. Which which sort of resembles what we used to, especially for Melbourneians. Yeah, I think so. I hope you're right, John, because um, yeah, when you when I used to travel to Melbourne when I was playing cricket, um, people just love sport there. They talk about it all the time. It's a real indoor town, and you know, there's some of the greatest restaurants and um, and bars in Melbourne. 
But sport gives people such, such a, a big relief and uh, it's a real kick in the guts for people who've had a really, really tough year last year. So hopefully, mate, that'll go ahead. Now, talking about a kick in the guts, what about this Eon Terriac guy having a go at Serena Williams? We talked about it yesterday, but that's appalling, isn't it? Oh, mate, I could not believe this 81-year-old tournament director from the Madrid Open. He he had a full-on whack at Serena. Now, look, I, I get where he's trying to go. I, he's gone about it completely wrong. It, it, it just it, it was disgusting what he did, to be honest with you. But I get we, we, we it's hard. Serena's so good at what she does. And it, I guess, you know, she's she's been dominating – women for a number of years now. And I was, I was saying to Tim um, earlier today, we were talking about um, Serena and Venus. And I remember meeting them in 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing and standing in the bus line. And they were standing like everybody else. It was actually just me, Serena and Venus. And I was behind her. I'd never seen such strong women in my life. And I remember saying to myself, God help the women that play these girls. because they, they And they were number one, number two at the time. So I get where he's going with it. I mean, Serena's a strong woman, man, and, and I understand, mm. but how he's gone about it is completely disgusting. And today's day and age, you just cannot say comments like that. And, you, and, and how he's gone about it has just been, I mean, look, Serena has a right to do whatever the hell she wants to, man. I think she's won 23 Grand 23, Slams, if yep, I'm correct. Um, she's yep. absolute champion, what she's done for tennis. Her and her sister, and their story is remarkable. Um, she can play a until she bloody well wants to stop her own self. He does not need this Eon Terriac telling her what to do. I agree. No, no, he's, he's hardly qualified. And, and she does have the odd little thing in, in the, the trophy cabinet just to hit back at them. They're big human beings. It's as simple as that. And, and as you just said that, I mean, her performance, um, and she's knocking on the door of 40. She's a mother. She's defied so much in the past, John. All right, I'm telling you something, Tim. I, I thought I had a set of glutes on me. Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> like, seriously, uh, it, really, it really emasculated me that day. But anyway, I got through it. And um, But no, you're, you're, you're right, Tim. Like, you know, these uh, both Serena and Venus, uh, I, I'll say it again, what they've done for the world of tennis. And, and I don't bring in the whole being black tennis stars. I mean, I, I try and look way past that because they're just – tennis superstars and all-around good people, what they've done for the world of sport, what they've done, they've sort of almost transcended tennis, you know, and 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 it's great when you get sports stars that can do that, and they definitely have. I couldn't agree more, Johnny. John, you've just spent five years in Melbourne. There's a huge story right there at the moment with Damien Hardwick. He's the coach of Richmond. He separated from his wife several weeks ago. Now there's the story that there's a relationship with one of the staffers. Nick Del Santo, former player, has got on the radio saying that this could have a real ripple-down effect on the team itself. What are your thoughts there? Do you, do you think this will have an effect, or you think you just got to leave that well alone? What's your gut feel, Timmy? I did read. I did read this, but I saw and I skimmed right over it. Uh, uh, you know, as an ex-athlete, um, I don't. I look. I don't. I, look, you when you're married, I don't condone sort of cheating or anything like in, in any of those realms. I, I think you know there's a reason why you get married. Um, the pressures of elite sport, whether you're a coach or an athlete, I think um, you know does does take its toll, you know, like uh, on your judgment. Sometimes you're living in a, in a, in a world, which is the reality of what you're doing. It's it, you live in a non-realistic kind of environment. If you really think about elite sport and what you do, the people have around you, it's, it's a real team environment and you're really insulated to a lot of normalities of life. Right. 
Um, and I think sometimes you can get caught up into making these decisions. I, I don't think this is a decision we have a right to discuss what's going on in another man's home and what's he, what what has gone, like how he's gone about it. As far as the team perspective, um, how the team moves on from this, I, I, I'd like to think that the players are adults um, and will understand with their coaches. It's, and, and Shane, you probably can speak on this, but more as an individual yeah. athlete, but players will, will sort of will, will get around Damien, I'd like to think, and 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 understand sort of what position he's in. But because he has a bit of camaraderie between coach and athlete and team sports, I'd like to think that would happen. I, I, I'd be I'm interested to watch this space to see what the ramifications will be. I, th- I, th- I think they will, mate. He's a real fathering type figure too to a lot of the players, so they'll definitely get around him and, um, and support him. And on a positive note, Steph Curry blasts in the NBA. Oh, my days. I, I, you know what? I, this is the hard thing about basketball, right? You look at Steph's stats, and he goes down as one of the greatest of all time. But mm-hmm. it's such a subjective conversation to have. It's almost like that conversation you have at a dinner table. The, 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 the rules are you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. You, know, you don't yeah. talk about sexual preferences at the table. It's becoming now you don't talk about who's the best basketballer of all time. Because, <laughs> you know, if you look at LeBron James, mm-hmm. his stats – outweigh Michael Jordan's. But I think Michael Jordan destroys LeBron James after watching, especially after watching Last Dance and you start to hear the backstory as well, what MJ did. But then there's people who say, John, you think Michael was great. What about Wilt Chamberlain? What about Magic Johnson? Larry Bird? And the list goes on. So as much as I think Steph Curry is the shooting king at the moment, I don't think you put a ball, you put him on the perimeter, you put him this outside of the, of the key and let him shoot. And I don't profess to be a basketball expert at all, but I definitely do love the game. I spent a lot of time in America, watched enough basketball to understand that what Steph Curry does with the ball when he takes a shot is unbelievable. Well said. Yeah, he is an extraordinary player. Absolutely. Now, John, um, what about yourself? What do you got on today? Do you, are you still doing two to three hours of gym work a day to keep the body a temple? I have seen more fat on a chip than you and you do <laughs> still eat Krispy Kreme donuts and I know that from working on various assignments with you. I, I, I love the fact that you asked that because I just finished lacing up my Puma, shout out to Puma. Shoes, uh, they definitely uh, look after the step and keep my rig looking a million bucks when I go to the gym when I wear these. <laughs> I go to the gym wearing these fine Puma apparels. Now, Tim, I think your body's a temple, mate, and you got to always look after it. So all our, all our listeners out there, make sure you get to the gym and say Johnny Steph sent you. Yeah, mine's a bit like a rambling homestead <laughs> at the moment, but uh, I, I, there is some speculation that you do this whole podcast often just in the Pumas, but we won't go there. <laughs> you know, you might be right, too. One day we'll put this podcast like Joe Rogan and we'll have, uh, we'll have a video along with it on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, it'll be good. Look out. See you, Johnny. Always good chatting and we'll speak to you soon. Good on you, mate. After the break, uh, we're going to get a little bit of West Indian action. Carlos Brathwaite, of course, playing with the Sixers. We'll talk to him next. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com Alright, a real treat for afternoon sport. We have West Indian International and of course one of the stars of the Sydney Sixers. They're at the top of the Big Bash. They play the Scorchers later on today. Carlos Brathwaite, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Very good. Mate, good man. Um, Carl Shane Lee here. Um, mate, you're from Barbados. I, I want to know, is, is Harbour Light still there, that nightclub? That's one of the greatest nightclubs I've ever been to, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, still, still up on pumping. Um, we've just gone into a national lockdown of sorts, well, a curfew. Right. So they'll probably be out of business for 
a little bit, but yeah, pre-COVID, I can make a bet I was jumping. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to make a point of coming back to nightclubs when I get over there. But Carlos, um, just just I love your celebrations, buddy, uh, and the kids absolutely love it. Like my son is infatuated by the big bash, and when you get a wicket and you do the jig, the dance, the hands, it's so cool. Where did it come from? Um, there's a Jamaican artist called Ding Dong. He's responsible for a lot of the. Pasta Pasta, as they call it in Jamaica, the local dance hall dances. And I follow him. Um, love to see the moves. It seemed pretty catchy, seemed pretty cool, and something that you could do without injuring myself. That would be caught with the cameras and give the kids something to smile about <laughs> and to attempt to do. So happy that it's caught on. And hopefully, they could get some more wickets um, so they can do it a lot more often. Carlos, take us back to 2016. It was your first World Cup. Um, you go out last over, you hit four sixes to win the match. First West Indian to ever hit four sixes in a 2020 match. I think first person ever. Um, how were the celebrations that night, mate? Was it, must have been a really good good vibe in the team. Yeah, it was good. Um, the wife was there as well. Um, she accompanied me on the ground after. The West Indies women had stayed on after their game because they won their final as well. Um, so it was just one big set of West Indian celebrations. Everybody enjoying each other's company, um, enjoying each other's sacrifice and just a culmination of a great tournament um, obviously, um, I didn't expect to do what I did, um, but I always wanted to be a part of a World Cup winning team. And it was a no. special moment. What about playing for the Sixers? You've been there a while now. It's a, it's, it's a successful culture, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, my first taste was 2018. I think we were winless when I came in. Me and Joe Denley came in. Um, Nathan Lyon joined as well. Then we won four in the bumps and actually ended up finish, finishing fifth. Um, and since then, the franchise has gone on to Ruchi Semis, make the finals and win last year. And we're looking to repeat um, being on the top of the table this year again. So a fantastic group of boys, um, a very good leadership group. Um, I'm just enjoying it. Man. Um, I spoke to some family back home when I got the offer. I was very happy to be back. Um, but one thing that stood out for me was that we had some real good times in 2018 because we didn't lose. Um, so four games, four wins, it's very easy to get some momentum and have some positive vibes. And then it came over, we lost the very first game and the vibes were the same. And for me, that that meant a lot and that showed a lot about the character, the group. Um, win, lose or draw, you're there to do a job. And everyone puts their hands up, gives 100%. Um, but after the game, we're still a team, we're still human beings and we still interact with each other as though um, we, we performed well, whether we did or we didn't. So... To have that positive vibe in the dressing room after a loss, after the first game, um, it spoke to me a lot deeper than the four wins on the trot in 2018. So it's no surprise that we're on top mm-hmm. of the group and on top of the log at this stage. Yeah, well said. Speaking of character, mate, you captained the West Indies in T20. Um, so you're obviously a very good leader yourself. I mean, you've only played three tests, but you've averaged 45 with the bat. Have you... Are you walked? Have you walked away from Test cricket, or are you focusing on on T20s these days? Um, well, I don't think it was my decision to make. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So I I've closed that door, and always something that I've fought with mentally a lot um, because I do love Test cricket, and I think my game, especially batting, was suited for Test cricket. Being able to defend and mm. leave the ball outside the hostel, also having that power game to um, exploit the the open spaces and not even ever compare myself to David Warner, the legend that he is, but 
his rise from T20 to 50 over the test level and being successful in all three formats goes to prove that he shouldn't just pigeonhole someone as a white ball player. Mm. Um, I thought that my white ball batting was a lot better when I was involved in the test match setup um, versus post not um, post not being involved in it. Yeah, I remember that, uh, the Melbourne Test match in particular, and uh, you do have a test average of 45, so who knows, you're only 32, Carlos, you could get back into that West Indian team, and uh, they're, they're certainly improving, they're sort of on the way back, I would think, as a as a cricketing team internationally. How's the whole COVID thing been? Because you're, you're very much a person of the world, aren't you? You travel a lot, you get through to different countries and play in different competitions, uh, IPL, through the subcontinent here in Australia. Um, it's been a challenge. So for the year 2020, it was in four different bubbles in four different parts of the world, starting with England doing some commentary, um, then CPL um, in Trinidad, um, PSL in Pakistan, and culminating with Big Bash in Australia. So there's been four different experiences, four different set of protocols, um, all very restrictive. So I could see why players think it's very tough mentally. But the good side of that is that we're still allowed to work, although a lot of people have lost their jobs and lost their, lost their livelihoods. Some people have even, have even lost lives. So we take it with a grain of salt and try to make the most out of um, non-ideal circumstances, to be honest. Carlos, all things going well, and we see the Sixers in the final this year. Who do you see as the biggest competitors to the Sixers? Difficult to say because I think all the teams are very evenly matched, especially with three overseas players. There's a lot of flexibility. When you're talking about star studded lineup, I think Melbourne Stars, obviously. Yeah. Hobart Hurricanes seem to be very flexible and finding ways to win. Does a very good trait um, in a tournament setup like this. Um, and the Thunder, the Thunder seem to be very formidable as well. We haven't played them as yet, so I haven't seen them firsthand. Um, but watching the games on telly, they have looked very, very good as well. So I think those four, potentially the top four ourselves included. Um, and if we are to continue doing as well as we are doing the race to the finals, I'd probably say Stars would be the likely um, opponents um, with Thunder and Hurricanes being close by. All right, it's going to be uh, an exciting finish to the competition. You got the scorches this time. I really appreciate you, as Shane does, going to the the side of the dressing room. All the best in this one, Carlos, and and great to chat. No worries. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me, and take care. You too, mate. Take care, Carlos. Bye-bye. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to our guests, John Stephenson and Carlos Brathwaite. Thank you to our sponsors, Spartan Sports, Shane. Mate, we love Spartan Sports, www.spartansportshq.com. Yeah, and of course, thank you to our producer, Dan McHugh, who is to podcast what Brad Pitt is to acting, not just Nicole Kidman. (laughs) We'll be back tomorrow. See you then. We'll see you then, guys.